0: checking uh one two three four why are you confused about four did you (laughs) did you think i just wasn't
1: sure how far we were going
0: oh (laughs) i you know i really get the feeling that you probably have more more wherewithal than i do if i just kept counting and i didn't tell you i was just going to keep counting like you just you just count you wouldn't even (laughs) think i'm trying to screw with you you're just like oh we're just counting I guess we're gonna count for half an hour. That's fun. <laughs> of all the inventions of the last hundred years, the dry erase board has to be the most remarkable.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm very curious as to why.
0: Re- remarkable, Mark-able. remarkable, yes,
1: re <laughs> remarkable. That's the key there. Yeah, that's well played. Uh, I, that- I actually like that one. That was good.
0: That, that brings me more joy that you're like, why? There's bar- far better things. Right, what about sliced bread? What about this uh, this computer I have in my hands? That's more remarkable. No, no, re- like the like a marker? Remarkable? Yep.
1: You're remarking. marking <laughs> Yes. Yeah.
0: I just heard our child set the school on fire. Arson? Yes, our son.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, I'm done with that. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say that. That was quite a few. We're... Laying it on thick today. Well,
0: I thought that uh, I thought that we just weren't counting. We weren't keeping track of counting. I was going to keep going until you know counting. Oh
1: counting. okay. <laughs> oh jeez. I how was counting. I? That was. I think there were five of those. I
0: didn't. Uh, you, of course, you were counting. How? How do I? How do I start? Uh, one, one, two, three, four, five,
1: six, seven, four. Just now you are gonna count. Just count. Yeah, I know. Well, ladies. We should introduce her. There we I'm go. I'm trying.
0: You're 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 throwing off my juju. It's right here.
1: I, I'm not sure you had it yet. <laughs> well, that's
0: just plain rude. But Accurate. Uh. Well, well <laughs> welcome, ladies. Just today. normally you've got it in spades. Hey, see that? See that? The, there's there's that rhythm again. It's just it's just like it's right there. It's happening. Okay. Well, well, shut no, up. Welcome. No, I'm not sure it was. <laughs> Welcome, so you want to and just keep counting? Shut up! Down. Shut I'm up! i gonna keep shut up Meg. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Did you just call me in ladies. At, no, I said Meg, like in Family oh, Guy. Okay.
1: Oh, <sighs> gotcha. I thought you said nag, like in illegal uh, their own.
0: You know, at this rate, I'm just gonna. I'll just. I'll just meet you. I'll just. I'm, I'm the all-editing <laughs> master. I'll just cut you out. I don't even care. <laughs> but can you get through it if I'm also talking? Even if. See, you can't even tell that he's speaking right now as I have removed the file. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of The Truth About Investing Back to Basics.
1: is chris Holling, and i'm sean cooper and hopefully i'm not muted anymore
0: you're not muted but you're at least consistent at this point uh today we we are actually it's kind of crazy uh we're we're doing a season finale today we're uh we we kept this one a little shorter this season just to keep it a little bit more compact and uh, i'm i'm actually kind of shocked that we're here already to be completely honest um but we're we're doing correlation and diversification today and uh well those are two things that i know nothing about so i uh in every other episode what we've done is i have said this is what i understand it to be and uh well um i correlate that diversification has something to do with money
1: All right. (laughs) Uh, At least the way we're talking about diversification, yes. I mean, you can have diversification in lots of things. You can talk about diversification and correlation in terms of just general, their general definitions. I'm sure you...
0: See? That's why you get muted. That's why you get (laughs) muted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yes diversification could go towards a lot of things honestly the only thing i truly truly know about diversification uh would would be the general term of it's good to diversify your portfolio and when you are diversifying your portfolio the understanding that i have is it is making sure that you have not all your eggs in one basket so you're not putting everything into a stock that you're pretty sure is going to do pretty well but you know maybe several and some that might offset some that might do well when the others aren't and vice versa but that's that's about as far reaching as i can get like i've i've just dumped my correlation diversification knowledge and uh uh learn me Sean,
1: <laughs> no, I mean that was that was the basis of it. That that okay. covers diversification. That that is what we're shooting for. Is it, it's exactly that. You don't want all your eggs in one basket because if you look at times like uh, 2008, mm. a lot sure. of things did really really poorly. So you didn't want all of your investments in you know one stock or uh, even a group of stocks for the most part because most stocks did really poorly. Um, Harry Markowitz. Uh, it's famous for saying that uh, diversification is the only free lunch when it comes to investing, and yeah, you know, that's huh. mo- that's mostly true. I'd say there's still a cost of trading for most people that is going to make it a, a less than free lunch, but you you get the gist of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that is the reason for diversification. Is you you don't want everything all in one investment that could do get you know completely thrashed by a, a single event correlation is just how the diversification works it's the explanation for it uh not necessarily why you want it but why the diversification works so the the why is what we've been talking about and that's uh, avoiding losing everything all at once so sure. you've That'd got different levels of diversification um basically, you know, the the converse of that is concentration. So concentration risk, you could have concentration risk in the form of being invested in a single company. If that single company goes bankrupt, you lose, you know, all or most of your investment. Whereas if you're in lots of companies, the odds of lots of companies going bankrupt all at once is much slimmer. Uh, You'd have geographic concentration risk. So if you're like a real estate investor in all of your real estate is in one little town, if that, you know, town, like the the town I grew up in was mostly founded on logging. So if the logging industry tanks and 50% of the town has to move away, then your real estate investments are going to suffer. Or if, uh, you know, you your, all your real estate is in tornado alley in a big tornado and f5 comes through and wipes out all your real estate that's you're gonna suffer there too so there's geographic risk there's concentration risk um, and
0: that's interesting I've, I've never even considered that but that that makes complete sense so i I really feel like when I've looked at real estate investing stuff uh, when I when I've talked with real estate investors a lot of them tend to use a very very common phrase where they're saying i i specialize in this area of the of the denver metro area i specialize in homes in aspen i i have properties that are i i don't come across almost any they're like oh i've got some in iowa and i've got some in new york and i've got some here and some here but but the way that you're talking about it is you it it might be a a good consideration to to kind of stretch out and and diversify even even that having it in, so you don't have the concentration geographic risk, risk in that geographic tsunami? risk. Yeah.
1: Um, so there, there's both sides to the this coin, uh, most coins really. But <laughs> <laughs> that's all all, all, coins? all coins. Well, the, all coins. I mean, but the heads, the tails, theoretical ridge. I was referring to it in the theoretical sense uh, of most. Concepts have two sides. To anyway, anyway <laughs> I, I, know. Um, I know. When you look, we have talked before about, uh, and I don't know if we've actually talked about this on the podcast or just offline, but we've talked before about you know pe- pe- people making outsized gains in a single investment, like they they bought into you know whatever it was. I mean, we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies uh, eventually, so uh, eventually you know, they, they, they bought down, into uh, uh, Bitcoin, and it went from. You know, a few thousand, and now what it's trading at, I don't even know, I don't follow it really, but uh, 64,000. All right, 64,000.
0: Last week, last, yeah, something like that.
1: Right, right. So that investment made them tons and tons of money, but you don't typically see that type of outsized gain happening in a diversified portfolio. One piece of the pie might do that. So, say, 1% of your portfolio might do exceedingly well but the entire portfolio didn't do didn't go crazy like that sure. so having that concentration risk having you know dumping it all into one potential thing it has a risk and reward trade off yes there is you know you you buy into a new company a, a brand new company uh, there's a very high potential reward. There's also a very high risk, and so that's where diversification comes in. Um, and, and that's what I'm getting at with those those real estate investors that you talked about. They're relying on the fact that they are experts, or at least view themselves as experts in one particular area, and so they're they're taking advantage of that expertise. So there is an advantage to that concentration, but my point is there's also a risk associated with it. And that's the idea behind diversification is offsetting some of that risk. That makes sense. I can see
0: that. I, I mean, so, I imagine there's some benefit along the lines of of kind of keeping your your taxes in order because then you're not doing multiple state taxes, Just just real estate specifically.
1: Yes, yes, that's true. Um. Yeah, for real estate. Yeah, if you're talking about stocks and stuff, it doesn't matter until you start getting into foreign investments and then you have foreign taxes. But that's not uh, – it's not horrible. I mean
0: – Sure. That makes sense. Okay.
1: My taxes are complicated enough that a foreign tax doesn't throw me for that big of a loop. But
0: <laughs> – Yeah, that that makes sense. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a, uh, uh, a pretty – Pretty simple, straightforward explanation on the diversification side. So, what's what? I mean, what is correlation? I, I mean, I just apart from the term of correlation, which I could pull up another dictionary definition for you, but I,
1: <laughs> you could. Uh, well, first, I mean, taking that uh, diversification to another level, I mentioned foreign investments. Uh, even being invested all in one country potentially has its own risk because, Yeah, oh, sure. you know, we talked about inflation before. If your country, the country you're invested in, the, the currency that underlies that country, suddenly goes haywire, then you're still experiencing the risk of that particular region, right. if you will. So having potentially foreign currency even um, – or investments that are denominated in a foreign currency can offset – Certain types of risk as well. It's just different levels of diversification and what you're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, in in terms of uh, correlation, we'll talk more about uh, diversification and and what what that looks like in terms of uh, real life scenarios. Obviously, the the most recent that people are going to think of would be 2008. Uh, sure, so we can right. talk a little bit more about that. But in terms of h- how you actually go about diversifying, it, it stems from correlation. And correlation is just how different investments in this case, because that's what we're talking about, uh, move in relation to one another. So correlation in uh, number terms ranges from negative one to positive one. So two two investments that have a uh, positive 1, they're correlated 100%. That means they're literally going to move in lockstep with one another. Now, they might not gain the exact same amount, but they always uh, have positive returns at the same time, negative returns at the same time, and flat returns at the same time. That would be an example of 100% positive correlation or plus 1. Negative, okay. one, negative 1 is going to be the exact opposite where... One zigs, the other zags. So, anytime the one does well, the other one does poorly. Maybe not proportionately. So, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily one gains ten percent, the other one loses ten percent. Maybe it's one gains ten percent, the other one loses one percent. That that's not necessarily critical to the the equation. It's just that they always do the exact opposite to one another in terms of whether one is going positive or negative.
0: Okay, I, I guess I guess I'm I'm having a hard time separating the the two it sounds it sounds to me and maybe you explained it well and i'm just not understanding it but it sounds to me like they those two explanations are are kind of the same like one one is going the opposite direction and and offsetting the other one aren't aren't both of what you just described doing that
1: or or am i misunderstanding are you talking about when i describe positive correlation versus negative correlation yes Okay, positive yes. is they're going the same direction, always the same. Oh,
0: direction. okay, okay. I I totally missed that. So so you're saying uh, a, it, um, how, how do I? This probably isn't a good example, but like, uh, AT and T and Verizon. If yes. AT and T is going up, then Verizon will likely also go up along the the same for the same reasons. Whatever's going on and down to down. Whereas the the negative correlation would be. I don't know what the opposite of AT and T is, but <laughs> but but something that does well when when AT and T does not do well is is the offset is the negative correlation. Yes. Okay. You got okay. It. Sorry. I just I just
1: misunderstood when you were explaining it. Then that's my fault. All right. Yeah. No. I I tried to throw in a kind of a caveat there that the the uh, percentage that they they move does not necessarily have to be in lockstep, um, and that probably threw things off. Um, but it, it's just that positive correlation they both go up together they both go down together okay just not necessarily the exact same percentage sure okay um, that makes sense negative correlation they go opposite of one another zero correlation means there's literally no correlation you cannot use one to predict the other
0: there's no rules
1: exactly like that. exactly <laughs> yep and then you have everything in between those those three scenarios those are your perfect scenarios or I guess in the case of no correlation, you're in perfect scenario because you have no idea what it's going to do. Right. Um, But you have everything in between. So basically anything from zero to positive one means there's some level of correlation between them. Okay. It might not be perfect, but there is some level of correlation. And then zero to negative one is negatively correlated. Again, not necessarily perfect, but it is negatively correlated. So when we're talking about diversification... Anything less than positive one can technically help a portfolio, but it's not until you get to the true, you know, you you get to true negative correlation, you can actually uh, really enhance a portfolio in terms of reducing risk or uh, increasing return without sacrificing or without taking on additional risk and that sort of thing. So you look back historically, uh, they had modern portfolio theory. Uh, basically, looked at diversification from the standpoint of okay, well, we will we'll, stocks and bonds, they're not perfectly correlated. Uh, in fact, you know, depending on the time frame you're evaluating, it can be a low in the you know, 0.3, 0.4 range, but it can also get up higher depending on the bonds and the, the time period that we're evaluating, uh, you know, 0.8, 0.9 in terms of the correlation. And so the idea is, you know, if you look at the efficient efficient market uh, or the um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, I don't know the efficient frontier. Sorry, the efficient frontier. So if you look at a graph of <laughs> the so final you, frontier, <laughs> not not really. Oh, okay. Yeah, but say so you take a, a graph of two. This is much easier to do visually than it is uh, verbally, but we'll, we'll, I'll try. Uh, uh, you it's, take
0: it, you got to you got to Bob Ross it. You got to paint a picture. So how... uh-huh.
1: he actually got to paint a picture though. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. the Bob Ross of, of verbalization. And uh, I'm talking just... about the happy little clouds, but not actually getting to paint them and paint the happy little clouds, Sean. No, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we take two two asset classes. Okay. Stocks and bonds are what a lot of people talk about, but let's say they were perfectly positively correlated. One had a uh, expected return of say 10% with a standard deviation. That's what we're using for risk of, you know, 15%. And then the other has a uh, expected average return of uh, 5% and a standard deviation of seven. So if you plot those on a graph. You got your two dots, You know, one's up and to the right of the other. If you start mixing between those two asset classes, if they're perfectly positively correlated, any portfolio you build is going to fall on a straight line between those two, two points, okay? okay? As you get away from perfectly positively correlated, so even if they're positively correlated, but they're less so, so you get down to 0.8, 0.4, 0.6, whatever, that graph the, of a portfolio mixed between those two asset classes is actually going to move up and to the left. Now, up and to the left in this case would be either higher returns or lower risk or a combination of the two. So if you look at stocks and bonds, for example, and where the idea of modern portfolio stem theory stem, stem from is you could actually create a portfolio that had between – anywhere between uh, 90% bonds, 10% stocks, up to about 30% bonds, 70% stocks, that was actually had higher returns and lower risk than any point along that prior graph. Okay. In fact, anywhere along that line, even as you go up to 90% stocks, 10% bonds, is going to be superior from that original line of perfectly positively correlated asset classes. And that's what we're talking about. Is We're talking about enhancing returns or reducing risk or some combination of the two by using these asset classes that are not perfectly correlated. Now, gotcha. if you get to a point where you have two asset classes that have positive average annualized returns like we we're talking about, but perfectly negatively correlated you end up with a graph that is basically uh, creates kind of a sideways V. And you've got a line that goes from, uh, in this case, our first asset class with the lower, lower uh, return, lower risk, straight to your Y axis and then straight back to your other asset class. And so that point where it intersects with the Y axis, you literally have a positive return with zero risk interesting okay that would be your perfect portfolio you would have a portfolio with positive return and zero risk the problem is those two asset classes don't exist sure right i know i just burst everybody's bubble all there at once
0: uh yeah yeah Yeah. it was supposed to be a happy clouds picture that you were painting instead you you took it and you you made a great painting and then you lit it on fire
1: Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> <laughs> the no, cloud's I mean that, just raining a little bit. The, the point is, your your goal is to move up into the left, and any reduction in correlation is going to improve that. So that's that's the target of diversification is to move closer and closer to that that point. Sure, that makes sense. So as as a as a whole, when people
0: are are coming to you uh Sean, you're so great you you helped me with all this stuff uh, do you do you discuss with them uh, uh, about diversification is that is that kind of a a blanket rule that you shoot for with with everyone or is it is diversification something that's that's better for some than others or where uh, where where does that all fit for you uh, for yeah yes yeah, for
1: for me, it's going to be a blanket rule, and that stems okay. from two things. Number one, I think it's the right thing to do to uh, avoid unnecessary levels of risk. And number two, if I I didn't and had a lot of concentration, I'd easily get sued and lose my licenses.
0: Oh, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. 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 Bad.
1: Um, there. there. Bad. It, like I said, the, the people who are making outsized returns, betting on one investment or one gamble, if you will... Uh, that's that's not what I I do on a uh, investment basis through my RIA. Uh, I like I said I wouldn't last real long because th- there's outside ri- outsized risk associated with that. Uh, that's that's what people. Uh, if somebody's going to do that, uh, you kind of like what we were talking about before it needs to be money that you don't care about never seeing again so sorry hang on we we
0: weren't talking about that before we were talking about that before we even got started and i i think it's a
1: yes i think yes, it's sorry.
0: a good point that i i wasn't even sure if i was going to mention it either so th- <laughs> this is very fresh today guys so just just kind of follow along here um but uh we we were talking about this type of stuff today because there were there were a couple of of different stocks and and some cryptos that I was paying attention to uh, that I decided to to throw some money at this last week um, and i was I was honestly just getting Sean's opinion on the matter and and kind of his his viewpoint uh but while we were talking about it, I was explaining that something that's really important to me and this is kind of what Sean's alluding to is that when when we were talking about our framework and we're talking about our budgeting especially in the second season and uh we talk about making sure that you're setting aside certain amounts to go whatever direction that you feel is important and and allocating your funds the way that that helps you the best part of something that I do that I'm I'm actually wondering if I even addressed I think I did Uh, But about 10% of my income goes into a wealth building category is is what I've defined it as. And I do do some separate that's just uh, some general investing from my job that goes along with correlation diversification that's not... This ten percent, this ten percent is uh, the stuff that we referenced a couple episodes ago, where it was uh, venture capitalism stuff, where where I bought that mic for somebody to help get his business off the ground and uh, right. to to take some of this money that I go, hey, I like this stock, or I think that there's a bunch of potential in this crypto or or something that starts to veer more on the your concentration and your your eggs in one basket type thing i'm treating this money as though i'm never going to see it again i have a good i like to say educated hunch on these these activities
1: educated hunch i like that
0: yeah it's it's an educated (laughs) gamble um and but that's that's also what it is you know and i know we talked about it when we discussed the the brief venture capitalism thing but I've I've really come to the conclusion that with that, if I help my buddy get off the ground and his his business takes off, then great. That's that's what was important. And even if I don't see any return from it on my end, and if I put this into a stock that I believe in, but I don't know if they're going to be successful, or a a crypto I have an educated hunch on, uh, <laughs> then then that's that's also what I put that into. But I'm also well aware that if I never see any of that cash ever again, that that's just kind of cost of doing business and part of part of the plan, and I'm okay with that because that's my plan. And people need to set up whatever they find to be important. Sorry, can you hear that? Well, that? yeah, and
1: and you already have. Uh, I can hear a little bit. Sorry, <laughs> um, but I was just going to say that you already have your other ducks in a row, like everything else is already right. taken care of. This isn't your, this isn't your rent money that you're <laughs> No. saying, Hey, let's, let's give this a shot.
0: Right. <laughs> what is that? Uh, every, uh, everything on black. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> like that's, exactly. that's not, that's not what this is at all. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, it's money that I have set aside because I, I feel pretty confident with it, and ultimately all, all it's it's going to become at that point is that if I do see a return on that uh, by chance because my educated hunch was solid, then what I'll do is that money's going to go back into that same pot of kind of liquid funds in a way of, you know, if I see another stock that I go, oh, yeah, this, this is my next big venture. Well, if I'm really worried about wanting to be safer with it, then I can take whatever profits I made out of that and just leave that in that category and use that money. And it's it's sort of my free lunch, in a way, if I get to that point. But I, I'm i very much under the opinion, philosophically, because I'm finding that that's kind of my job here anymore. Um, but philosophically, I I think people have a harder time being comfortable with investing if they're not willing to take their money and and let it go Um, and so I really feel like if I wasn't comfortable with putting it into a a stock that I believe in uh, because all my other ducks are in a row and I'm I'm ready to go but I'm willing to kind of let that money go and and do other things for me makes me less likely to be really concerned about holding on to other investments that might be a smarter long-term move that's fit in with correlation diversification did that all make sense? That felt like a bunch of words that I wasn't sure if it was just mush.
1: <laughs> no, I, I got the, the gist of it. Um, okay. I, I wouldn't say everybody needs to be to that same point in order to invest by any means. Right. Um, That's just it, for me. Just, it's just a, right, it's a matter of how you go about investing. I mean, mm-hmm. l- like we're talking about, if you can build out a diversified portfolio, uh, for example, if I take a – Uh, An aggressive, diversified portfolio versus uh, a benchmark that I utilize, the average annualized return is roughly the same, but the standard deviation, the risk of that portfolio is roughly 30% less. That diversified portfolio, the risk is roughly 30% less. So you're going to see a roughly 30% less volatility. Um, And uh, the point of that is, uh, yes, you haven't enhanced returns in that scenario at all, but you've reduced the volatility, you've reduced the potential stress and sleepless nights. So it's purely a psychological play. Um, yep. and Absolutely. it's designed to eliminate the, or at least reduce the human aspect of, uh, panic, the, the, yeah. the emotions involved in, uh, a, a falling market and, um, what we have talked about previously of the average equity fund investor only realizing a 3.5% gain when the S&P 500's averaged closer to 9%, uh, and that stems from people making irrational decisions either in euphoria or panic. So reducing risk can help also reduce those irrational decisions. Right. And I again,
0: like we've mentioned almost in every episode at, at this rate, uh and i'm i'm okay with it is that these these are more tools for the toolbox type thing i'm uh, i i think it's important to for me for me personally this is me 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 personally uh, uh, there's lots of options so yeah there's I mean. so many options um but with with that it's it's a uh i God, I'm just stumbling over all my words. I, I can't even figure out how I'm gonna how I'm gonna speak English here. Apparently, I think <laughs> I, I'm in the camp of the "you also miss every shot you never take" type of thing, which is yes. why this is the category of I have my other stuff organized. I am comfortable with if this money disappears that it's not going to be an issue. But I'm. If, if I, there is a large return to be had, then it doesn't always happen on the safer approach. And I'm not saying by any stretch that the safer approach is worse or that one is better because in fact, Sean just said, hey, (laughs) on an average, the, the riskier amount, your overall return is going to be less than, than sticking with an an S&P over time. And, uh, this really is, for me, psychologically, and and getting involved and in, uh, taking that shot because I'm, you know, I am I'm, I'm comfortable with it and that's me tools for the toolbox. I think I just yep. said the same thing for like four minutes straight. So <laughs> that's okay. Uh, no, I've got welcome. nothing
1: against uh, taking that shot. Uh, I just encourage you to have like like Chris has and like I have because I have taken the shot. Um, Cause that's the only way you're going to enter the
0: danger zone. Welcome.
1: <laughs> but you have everything else taken care of first. So my you know, retirement accounts, they're diversified uh, and they're taken care of. Um, it, it's just the piece of the pie that, Hey, if I lose all of this, it's not going to put me in a tight spot. That's, that's where Chris is getting at there. Um, right. And, And along these lines, Chris has been is always good about uh, making things, uh, putting things in kind of real terms. Whereas I uh, deal in numbers and don't necessarily uh, give real world examples. Um,
0: I'm the realest dude you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah. But but for me to streets
1: in an effort to try to give you an idea of uh, to to make this more real. Uh, for a lot of people they look at 2008 and their assumption is that everything lost money the market crashed everything lost money and that is not true yes correl- yeah yes correlation went up for a lot of things so in in 2008 if you had a stock and bond portfolio it you know 2007 it was probably far more uh, diversified lower correlation than it was in 2008. Because the correlation between stocks and bonds actually went up in 2008, which is the exact time when you don't want correlation to go up. Uh, ideally, you want things to become less correlated when the, the market tanks. Uh, but the point is, it, getting this back to you know your own situation and, and you know real world, what what can you do with this diversification correlation information? Um, it's to try to limit the impact of periods like 2008, and while some people tell you uh, and may even believe that everything lost money in 2008, and depending on the investments that they had access to that may have been true for them, there are lots of things that actually did well in 2008, so the, the purpose is to find those non-correlated asset classes that can help you diversify your portfolio. Uh just to give you a few examples, um you know pretty much the vast majority of your equities, most of your bonds a lot of real estate, uh even some of your alternative uh, asset classes did really bad in two thousand eight. however, um you look at the some things that actually didn't do poorly. they just kind of flatlined in two thousand eight. you've got your Barclay's aggregate bond index, so uh, the bonds in that index did fairly basically flatlined, Uh, foreign corporate bonds were essentially flat, Uh, merger arbitrage, which is an alternative um, strategy, was basically flat. Things that actually did well um, for 2008, uh, long-term treasuries, U.S. treasuries actually did well. Hard assets like gold and silver, gold both did very well, private equity, did really well. Volatility spiked. So there are ways to invest in volatility, not directly, but using uh, derivatives, which we'll talk about another time. Uh, And managed futures. Managed futures, depending on the uh, managed futures strategy uh, portfolio manager you might have been following or likely weren't following, Uh, you're talking about returns anywhere from 20 to 150% in 2008. So there are things that did very well and could have in, either enhanced the return or at least softened the blow of 2008 that potentially could do the same in into the future. So um, it, it's a matter of finding those things that can help m- make your portfolio more resilient to market cycles. Well, um, I, Sorry, go ahead. And we'll, we'll talk more about alternative assets and alternative strategies later, but I mean, to give you an idea, uh, the big endowments, Yale, Harvard, if you looked at their allocations in 2008, I think Yale had 60% of their assets in private equity. They made money in 2008. They lost money in 2009 when private equity caught up to the market and crashed, but they actually made money in 2008. Whereas most investors don't have any in, in private equity. In fact, most uh, compliance departments and even errors and in emissions insurance won't allow their financial advisors to invest more than about 10% in alternative assets in, in general. So th- these things, they on a standalone, they can be very risky, but they can also enhance a portfolio in a variety of ways depending on how they're utilized. It's a matter of understanding them and uh, utilizing them effectively
0: yeah that that totally makes sense and and also i w- I wanted to mention something kind of bring everything back full circle and and psychologically and then that that way it, you know i'm not jumping all over the place <laughs> on these things but uh there's there's also several uh, I t- ultimately it's it's just it's different books that i've i've been reading uh mm-hmm. that that a pretty consistent phrase when you're looking at uh, finances and and economy books and and these these different books that I've been involved in reading one of the one of the most consistent things that has come up is talking about that when there are downtimes when there are recessions that's when new millionaires are developed the the, the new opportunities come out. Of those times when there were several people that made a bunch of money during this stretch during COVID, because it it changed lots of different aspects about the market and paying attention to those things and placing your investments in places where you think they will do well can absolutely utilize those situations because that's that's a a larger scale version of diversification in a way and And I mention that because, again, full circle, I personally feel like I wouldn't be able to comfortably take advantage of some of those circumstances if I'm, A, not paying attention and the world is just happening to me, which I just don't accept, honestly, and B, that if those occasions do come around and I'm paying attention, then I can be comfortable with saying, hey, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this because we're, we're in this recession or this thing just happened and paying attention to where those rises and dips happen and me saying, I'm going to take X amount of money and put it into this possible opportunity that other people don't tend to have their ducks in a row and their, their cash available to go towards something like that. And this this is... Uh, kind of my own small versions of that now, because if I'm comfortable with getting involved in those things psychologically now, then I'm I'm paying attention to the next time that things are are going well. The the buy low, sell high type mentality,
1: and yeah. it wasn't it's, it uh, Warren Buffett who said something along the lines of uh, when people are greedy, be fearful, and when people are fearful, be greedy. That sounds right. Yeah, I think yeah, it was something about that. Yeah. And anyway, uh, it gets at the kind of what you were talking about there. That's exactly it, and so it's
0: that's that's the full circle I'm getting at. If if you are paying attention to those things and you're willing to get involved in those things because that's of interest to you, then that's that's where it's good to get involved in in practicing those things or or looking into what what ways to approach it and how how you do or don't feel comfortable with those things. Because there's absolutely nothing wrong with going, hey. I uh, I want a diversified portfolio so that I don't have to worry about anything, and I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of my family, and I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to take a nap. Uh, you know, like get get some get some good rest and and have that that uh, I don't know that comfort that shut eye. That, what am I trying to say? That security. Uh, just, uh, just I would just much. say
1: that yeah, all of these decisions really c- come back to the point of. Um, making them based on both your financial ability to take on risk as well as your um, willingness or your risk tolerance. Right. Um, making sure those align um, because there are lots of varying degrees to which you can uh, take on risk and potential returns, um, but they need to align with what your goals are and what your are capable and willing to, to take on and understanding right. what you are what risks you are absorbing because
0: uh, not everybody is in the danger zone <laughs> and that's okay there's, there's no reason to feel like you need to be it's, it's just what's important to you and, and what tools in your toolbox that you want to use that, uh, that are available to you that's, that's what we do we, we bring you the tools you're a tool, Sean. <laughs> <Nice>. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> oh uh, man. Um, well, what else? Did, did we did we do it? Did we did we address correlation diversification? Did we I think so. Yeah. I think so too. I like it. Cool. Well, I'll I'll just wrap it up. Uh where we'll we'll almost sound professional. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen for listening and coming out and catching us to another episode about the truth about investing back to basics my name is Chris Holling and I'm Sean Cooper and we will catch you next time uh, ooh in season four because yeah season finale of three three goes into four remember the counting thing that's, that's how three goes into four uh-huh. podcast disclaimer disclaimer the disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward this is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes we hope you enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it all content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for informational purposes only Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Holling, that's me, is not affiliated with Fi- Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Holling, me again, represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond the author's intent, distribution, or copying of its contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal, accounting, or tax advice and is for informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites advisory services are offered through fit financial consulting llc an investment advisor firm registered in the states of washington and colorado the presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or other representatives, a consumer should contact their state securities administrator. Amen. <laughs> uh, my wife warned me that if I took another picture of her, she'd be furious. That's when I snapped.
1: Uh, Uh, you would too (laughs) I would